Thanks for joining us here at the History of the Earth. I'm your host, geologist Dick Gibson. For today's episode, number 389, we're taking a look at the element vanadium. Vanadium is a metal, and by far its greatest use is in steel alloys, where tiny amounts of vanadium improve steel's hardness, toughness, and wear resistance, especially at extreme temperatures. As I reported in my book, What Things Are Made Of, more than 650 tons of vanadium was alloyed with iron to make the steel in the Alaska pipeline, and there's no good substitute for vanadium in strong titanium alloys used in jet planes and other aerospace applications. Vanadium isn't exactly one of the well-known elements, but in terms of abundance in the Earth's crust, most estimates indicate that there's more vanadium than copper, lead, or tin. But it is difficult to isolate, and it wasn't produced chemically as a chloride until 1830, when Swedish chemist Niels Selfström named it for the Norse goddess of beauty, Vanadis, who is perhaps better known as Freya. It wasn't until 1867 that pure vanadium metal was isolated by British chemist Henry Roscoe, and his work on vanadium won him the name of the vanadium mica roscolite. As a mineral collector, I'm attracted to vanadinite, lead vanadate, because it forms beautiful hexagonal crystals, often bright red and so abundant from one lead mining area of Morocco that excellent specimens can be had without mortgaging your house. Some vanadinite crystals are like perfect little hexagonal barrels, and others can form needle-like spikes around a central crystal, making the whole thing look like a cactus with orange-colored spines. Some of the vanadium for making steel alloys comes from primary mined vanadinite, but much more was once produced as a byproduct of phosphorus manufacture because it's commonly associated with phosphate rock. And today, a lot of the world's vanadium comes from refining crude oil and from fly ash residues, which are products of coal combustion. So I got curious about why vanadium metal is so closely connected with these organic deposits. Crude oil actually has lots of trace elements in it, including metals like gold, tin, and lead, but by far the most abundant are nickel and vanadium, as much as 200 parts per million nickel and 2,000 parts per million vanadium in some crude oils, especially heavy, tarry oils like those found in Venezuela. In some oil, the nickel and vanadium can add up to 1% by weight of the oil, and that's just an incredibly huge amount. Refining Venezuelan crude oil gave the United States a lot of vanadium back in the late 20th century. But why is it in there? Oil and coal are both the result of decaying and chemically changing plant matter. Forget about dinosaurs. Virtually all oil, natural gas, and coal comes from plants, usually marine algae for oil and gas, and more woody, land-based vegetation for coal. There's a class of organic molecules called porphyrins, and I'm definitely no organic chemist, but these complex hydrocarbon molecules, made of carbon, hydrogen, oxygen, and nitrogen, have boxy, ring-like structures with open space in the centers. Chlorophyll and hemoglobin are related chemicals, both of which contain metals in the middle of the structure, magnesium in chlorophyll and iron in hemoglobin. 
The vacant holes in the centers of porphyrins in crude oil are ideal for trapping metal molecules, and apparently vanadium in the form of a VO2 ion is one of the easiest to trap because of its molecular size and electronic valence. The vanadium comes from the original oil source rock, so there is quite a range in vanadium content around the world. Heavy oils like the tars in Venezuela hold more than fluid oils like those in Saudi Arabia. And this has more or less been known since at least the 1920s. So today the vanadium and other metal contents of oils are being used to characterize, to fingerprint the original source rocks, even when those source rocks no longer exist or are no longer what they once were. The United States has had no mine production of vanadium since 2013, and even then we were 94% dependent on imports. Today, 100% of our vanadium is imported, and we also produce some vanadium from imported crude oil and ash. More than 90% of the world's vanadium is mined in China, Russia, and South Africa, although the United States imports much of what it needs from the Czech Republic and Canada, as well as Russia. We also imported enough ash and refining residues to account for 9,000 tons of vanadium in 2015, mostly going, as I said, to making steel alloys. A new emerging use for vanadium is in high-capacity storage batteries, where vanadium compounds make the electrolyte. These batteries have potential uses for renewable energies such as wind and solar power, and although in 2015 and 2016 several companies were working on prototype designs, they're still pretty expensive batteries and they haven't really caught on yet. Way back in 1971, when I was a teaching assistant for the Indiana University Geologic Field Station, on one mapping project we went to the Mayflower Gold Mine south of Whitehall, Montana. I collected a bunch of rocks with interesting-looking sparkly crystals, some of which I've only recently gotten around to really studying. I gave a talk at the 2017 Montana Bureau of Mines and Geology Mineral Symposium on minerals from there that turned out to be vanadium-bearing, including vanadonite, although it's probably an arsenic-rich variety, and stranger minerals like descloisite, a lead-zinc vanadate, tangiite, calcium-copper vanadate, and some others. And I even think there are some tiny bits of roscolite, the vanadium mica, named for the chemist who first prepared vanadium metal. But even more exciting for me are some tiny, millimeter-sized, red-orange crystals in the specimens I found at the Mayflower Mine. All I knew for a long time was that I couldn't figure out what they were. But by looking at their crystal shapes and properties, I narrowed it down to two very strange and very rare minerals. Gotlabite, a calcium-magnesium vanadate, and calderonite, a lead-iron vanadate. Both of these minerals are so obscure that I didn't really seriously imagine I'd actually collected one of them. But thanks to an analysis by Stan Korzeb, the economic geologist at the Montana Bureau of Mines and Geology, it turned out that I did indeed find calderonite 32 years before it was described as a new mineral in 2003. Stan's analysis in January 2018 used EDX, or Energy Dispersive X-ray Spectroscopy, a technique that gives not only the elements present in a mineral, but their relative proportions, which allowed Stan to calculate the chemical formula. The lead-iron vanadate calderonite that he found is intergrown with descloisite, the lead-zinc vanadate. 
This probably indicates changing iron-zinc concentrations in the fluids that precipitated the minerals. This represents just the 11th documented calderonite occurrence in the United States and the second in Montana. Stan had identified the first in Montana in the fall of 2017. So this is an obscure mineral and the crystals are tiny, but I'll tell you what, it made this mineral collector's day to find out that I had found calderonite. And now, the weather report for Atlanta, Georgia, during the late Ordovician, 457 million years ago. Coastal areas will be mild, with showers possible. Inland, a lack of significant vegetation is expected for the foreseeable future. All areas should be alert for possible volcanic ash falls, which may be heavy at times. Thanks for listening, and I hope you'll join us again next time for another episode in the history of the Earth.